The Empowerment Zone is continuing our celebration of Black History Month. We are excited about honoring a few living African-American legends here in Atlanta. In today's episode, we're featuring Mr. Joe Jennings. Mr. Jennings has been influential as a musician and educator here in Atlanta, Georgia, and worldwide. Welcome to the Empowerment Zone with Ramona Houston, where we zone in on black and brown relations and our journey to empowering our communities. The jazz musician and former director of the Spelman Jazz Ensemble has performed with some of the most influential artists of our time, including Johnny Taylor, Duke Pearson, Clifford Jordan, The Four Tops, and The Temptations, just to name a few. He is also the founder and director of the Neighborhood Arts Ensemble, a 22-piece big band in Atlanta. Enjoy our conversation as Mr. Joe Jennings talks about the role of jazz in the cultural evolution of African-Americans, how African-Americans can better position and institutionalize jazz, and the importance of recognizing and celebrating African-American culture. Enjoy our conversation. Hi, today on the Empowerment Zone, we have Mr. Joe Jennings, a musician extraordinaire here in the ATL. Welcome to the Empowerment Zone, Mr. Jennings. It's a pleasure being here, especially with you, Ramona. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Uh, And happy birthday, Mr. Jennings. I know you celebrated your 85th birthday yesterday. 85. Can you believe that? (laughs) And still kicking. I heard that. I heard that. (laughs) No, no canes. Yes. And hopefully still in good mental condition. Right. That's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm just so happy for you and thrilled that you celebrated another uh, birthday. Uh, Mr. Mm -hmm. Jennings uh, was one of my college professors. Uh, He was a professor at Spelman College when I was a student at Clark Atlanta University. Right. That's right. Right. A very good, a good student. I'll say it like that. And you, and, and right at the right time between mm-hmm. each instrument that you were playing. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, at that time, your, your male friend. Yes. Was, was around, <laughs> who was a wonderful musician as well. You know. Yes. And that male friend eventually became my husband. I know. <laughs> Let me say that. <laughs> Well, it's great to have you. You've been such an an, an incredible influence uh, as an educator and performer here in Atlanta and nationwide. And so it's great to have you to talk about your life. I, you know, for the first time, uh, I am really focusing on highlighting uh, Black History Month in February. As you know, here on the Empowerment Zone, we we honor Black history all year long. But mm-hmm. uh, this year, I wanted to feature a few individuals. And you are one of the people I wanted to feature because a lot of times when we look at Black history, we look everywhere else and not mm-hmm. in our own community. So it's right. great to have you here today. Yeah. Well, well, Atlanta's history is one of the reasons I moved to Atlanta. But uh, it you know, the idea of Black history and jazz music, you know, they're, they're, 
one of the same. It's such an integral part of of the history of African American history. Period. So, you know, when I think back of the great musicians, and when I was a kid, I would listen to the radio under the cover. My room was right behind behind my father's and mother's <laughs> room, right, so they could watch me. But anyway, I would under the cover. I would listen to. Uh, the radio, Daddy O'Daly in, in uh, Chicago and another. But anyway, on Charlie Parker's death, I was listening to the radio. Well, not when he did, but when they announced it the first time over the radio. And that was, uh, it was Charlie Parker who, who I uh, guess, influenced me the most as a kid. Because when I heard him, the way he played and the way he was able to to survive uh, and not, I guess, lose who he was in in you know who, uh, because he was always to me appeared to be a strong, straightforward, and brilliant musician, right? And many people under underestimate that how brilliant he was as a thinker and as a horn player. But anyway, I don't want to drift into that. I, I wanted to say that it was him. And that ability in him that inspired me to want to uh, become a professional musician. Hmm. You know, it was that that Charlie Parker, that history. So it goes all the way back and it's still, and you you can see that influence from him in touching every aspect of the evolution of the music that we call jazz. You know, hmm. so that that is is so important, but it's also so important that we as a people begin to take up the mantle and look at jazz history as an important part of our cultural evolution. It's, it is a, an important part of our culture, culture, where so many other races and people take it and lift it up, you know, in their institutions. And whereas we still have problems you know, without a uh, uh, passing on of the information that's related to jazz music and have what it is, and and its influences in wor on world music, you know, and and passing that on to our, you know, our kids. We don't, I don't, you don't expect uh, as time changes that to all of the youngsters listen to the same thing, but they can appreciate it. You know what it is. And what it means as far as our history is concerned, you know. It, go ahead, you. Yeah, let's so uh, let, let's expand on that. You talk about jazz music being extremely influ influential on the development of African Americans and our evolution, right? Yeah. Can you expand upon that? Well, the music, well. Does the, the music affect the people? The people affect the music. The people, mm -hmm, <laughs> the mm -hmm, people mm -hmm. affect the music, and we uh, uh, we we talk about it sometimes that in in jazz music is reflect it reflects us as a people from the way we walk, mm -hmm. the way we talk, the way we dance, the way we think, and and it has, has influenced the entire world music actually by the improvisational aspect of it, you know, which was the only major music that had that type of, uh, that was based around improvisation as it evolved, 
you know. And and it, it's been helpful. I look at you know the dance music of the twenties and thirties and all those things. That was, those were still major and outlets for our people to survive. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. when you look at the ballroom bar and all these big ballrooms that that were served as uh, employment places of employment for many of those musicians, the big bands, all of those things, you know, were it was a part of of them being able to survive what what was happening to them what was being imposed upon them by the oppressor mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so when you look at uh your observation about you know the lack of appreciation uh from new generations about mm-hmm. jazz, jazz music what kind of solutions do you offer to make sure that these next generations know about jazz and also have an appreciation for the music? Yeah. Well, I, th- I think the, 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 the first thing is that we as a people have to have to position this music as something being something of importance, right? This is our music. This is our classical music right, that even if you don't listen to jazz all the time, you should appreciate it, you should understand it, and you should know uh, how it fits in the history of the evolution of African Americans. You know, you should know that that music has influenced all types of music around the world. It has its influence on it, on those. uh, So, you know the 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 idea that we keep this music up as a very important part of the history of our development and a very important uh, part of our culture that we've given to the world. Mm-hmm. You know, we gave that. So the students, I feel, the students should understand and appreciate it from that perspective, if nothing else. To, to so that they would be what when they become uh when they arrive at wherever they are go- their work that whatever their work is that they would be willing to contribute to the institutions that are uh are being perpetuating the music and performing that uh that music for these students, the same with the symphony organist, what the mm-hmm. symphony symphony hall is, what is that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, performing music all the way back from in the 1700s, 1600s. Mm-hmm. But they are doing that, why? Because it's an important part of the culture that should not be allowed to disappear. Mm-hmm. And if we approached our music the same way as a people, mm-hmm. If we approached it the same way, then I think we would get much better results. We would have them uh, have it in institutions as permanent parts of the institution, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, as important in the curriculum of the uni- uh, uh, of the institution as math and as science and as as European classical music and a lot of, <laughs> you know, in other institutions. You have such an important uh, 
point about we need to position, African-Americans need to position this music as our contribution to the world and preserve that through African-American institutions. Right. And, you know, we have all types of institutions in our community. You know, we have the historically black colleges and universities, which you alluded to as a, but that jazz should be a part of the curriculum, but we also have the black church and the black press. Uh, mm-hmm. as well as our civic organizations, such as the Greek organizations and many others who ha- who should take on the mantle of taking on the role and responsibility of uh, making sure that we make jazz a permanent part of our institutions and our culture. Right, right, right. And I mean, you have others, a lot of majority white universities and colleges have Placed it as permanent parts of that mm-hmm. institution, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where we're still lagging behind. Mm-hmm. So true. I can name off the HBCUs who have jazz studies programs, and oh, they're yeah. very few. Yeah, too. And mm-hmm. probably on one, one mm-hmm. hand. In one hand. Mm-hmm. And remove a few fingers. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. 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 So let's talk about your influence on the music and on the scene. Uh, you you are both an, a performer and an educator. Right. So where do you want to start talking about how you have impacted uh, Atlanta and our nation and world? Well, I hope those people, some of the, my students are out impacting the world now, <laughs> hopefully, and some of them are doing quite well. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, I came to, let's start here, you're talking about Atlanta. I came to Atlanta from the University of Illinois. I was called to come and one vice president of Clark College was the reason that I came to them. Mm-hmm. Because he evidently they had known about me for something. And anyway, he called me at the University of Illinois and, uh, and uh, offered me a job. And I had quite a few offers. Mm-hmm. And I still, well, I won't talk about it. I still think sometimes, I wonder what would have happened if I had. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. I thought I had more money than I had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in, anyway, uh, uh, I came to Atlanta. Uh, I was off a contract to Clark Atlanta University, and and while coming, uh, when I was I, I had been in Jackson, Mississippi for a while, doing uh, same time that the Freedom Summer was going on, and I had met a young lady uh, who was with with SNCC thing, you know, and she. When she heard that I was going to move, I, that I was in in uh, Champaign and was getting ready to move to Atlanta, she mentioned that uh, there was there's a lady there running a, a, a little small institution called the Atlanta Center for Black Art, right? So uh, and so she she mentioned that and said that they would be nice if you could go over and work with them. They could probably use some of the information. So I came to Clark and I uh, stayed there four years uh, and I left because I was offered a position that I turned down. I said like that and then the president said, well, if you don't accept this, we'll, we probably won't renew your contract. Fine, because I, I I had dealt with marching band stuff like that before, and I had no intentions. Not because I know what it takes out of you, mm-hmm. and and it wasn't a part of the direction that I wanted mm-hmm. to go in. Mm-hmm. You know, so I left, 
there, I was working at the neighborhood art center. I went with one of the neighborhood art centers, which was one of the centers that um, Maynard Jackson, he took these two high schools, right, mm -hmm. and turned them into art centers, to make a long mm. story short. And I was went to the neighborhood art center as an artist in residence. And there, I started teaching young I mean, teaching students, giving them private lessons and whatever you could. And I also had played with, was playing with Duke Pearson, who had moved here for a while. I was playing with Duke. And I started a, a big band called the Neighborhood Arts Ensemble. That was a result of, of Duke's leaving. He was, uh, well, he was getting ill. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, we also started a group called Life Force that we began to record, mm. you know, and all of this was coming out of of those to the Atlanta Center for Black Art and the Neighborhood Art Center, you know, uh, and quite a few of them. As a matter of fact, one of my students from the from the Neighborhood Art Center is we still comes by all the time. He was a uh, vice president of one of the institutions. Of, uh, became vice president of one of the institutions in uh in Missouri and now he's just back out he he developed the uh BB King Institute mm. which was uh well a, a studio at Mississippi Valley State College and he also who was instrumental in developing the BB King Museum mm. and Mississippi Valley State College which he was he went to, got a scholarship from the neighborhood art center a friend of mine who was a trumpet teacher came through and gave him a scholarship. So he went to Mississippi Valley State College and then eventually taught and received his doctorate and came back. But he was responsible for setting up the B.B. King Museum as well. And he developed a, a, a very tight, close relationship with the blues, a lot of the blues men in that Delta area, the old and all of those. So now he's just plays the blues and goes <laughs> around doing tours and things like that. But that's a an a an example of a direct effect from from the Navy, one of the earlier institutions that I work with. And eventually, I spent a, a brief time in uh, Morehouse, and then eventually Spelman, where I stayed for thirty years and retired. <laughs> and you know, in the meantime, and you know what went on at Spelman, but we. <laughs> The, the Spelman Jazz Ensemble, which we we successfully toured for what some about twenty six years, played in New York twenty six years in a row. But that that uh, the education part. Then we had students that uh, students like even and you uh, you remember Ramona Estelle. No, I don't remember her. Oh, oh, yeah, I think she was before you. Mm -hmm. But she was with Tia Fuller when she was, you know, you had Tia. And quite a few students who've done quite well, and quite a few of them here in the city who play well. I mean, who still play, mm -hmm. perform mm -hmm. uh, uh, jazz in clubs, you know, just still, still working. Yeah. yeah, Tia is Tia Fuller is a product of your uh, education and yeah, yeah. and as you stated, the other person uh, who um, and then Shonda Shonda, Shonda yes yes yes. Yeah. yes and Jennifer Bliss yes <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, there are quite a few influences there. So uh, in addition to you being a great educator, you've also done a lot of performing uh, in jazz and R&B. So tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, I I played with Duke Pearson. I had, uh, as far as the big band is concerned, I had the Neighborhood Arts Ensemble. Mm -hmm. And we... We, we hung in there for quite a few years. We did concerts uh, uh, for, for schools. We did concerts, and I did concerts in schools with Life Force and had a young audience program that we would deal with, with Life Force, where we had a, a special program developed for playing and, and introducing uh, young kids, elementary school kids, to jazz music. Uh, there, after what, after well, while being at, at Spelman, we did several recordings with Life Force. Well, one before because one Fearless Warriors was picked up by Sonorama Records up in over in Germany, but we have uh, what about three or four recordings of Life Force with Howard Nicholson. We were co mm-hmm. co sponsors mm-hmm. in that, and we were. I, I thought really a, a, an interesting group. We were doing, you know, ri- much original compositions and compositions by the master. Mm-hmm. Uh, the well, I, you know, I came here. I, I, I was a clarinet major huh. in 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 uh, undergraduate school at Southern University. Yeah, and and I it, it was. I was doing quite well as far as the European classical music was concerned. I love the clarinet, but joy, uh, jazz was the desire, ultimately. Mm-hmm. But I like music, period, all types of music. But anyway, we, uh, I'm going to bounce around too much. I'm going to make sure I stay on, mm-hmm. on point. But we, we did quite a few recordings. I took a, we, we went to the Winter Olympics in Lillehammer. We were wow. performed there. We performed at how I many different things? We were in oh, 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 Martinique. We performed in Martinique. Uh, we performed in, I'm trying to think of all the areas, but quite a few. We, we, we Oh yeah, the the uh, North Sea Festival, Jazz mm-hmm. Festival. We performed the North Sea Festival, and we performed at the Atlanta Jazz Festival for at least thirty times. Mm-hmm. 30, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which which I thought that period that they developed the Atlanta Jazz Festival, I thought it was going to be a little bit more impactful as far as as the evolution of jazz in the city. Mm-hmm. Is concerned, but it didn't. It didn't do quite as much as I thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't have the effect, uh, because at, at, really there are fewer uh, clubs and and performance spaces in Atlanta than it was back in those years. True, so true. You know. So tell me, Mr. Jennings, what are you uh, working on now? What 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 are some of your projects right now? <laughs> well, the the, the main uh, 
one now that I'm thinking of. Well, we're we're doing the Joe's Jazz Joint, which we are do a series of performances that we did the ten perform yeah ten performances at the uh, Arts Exchange over in East Point, and we are trying to regroup and hopefully in a, a couple of months to do another series of those. I'm also writing. Uh, I started a piece, the uh, Here We Stand, which was in, inspired by Paul Robeson, inspired by, now, and I make it clear that it's not about Paul Robeson, it's, it was inspired by him and, and his activities as a, as a nationalistic person. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that is, 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 I think, eight, eight, parts to it uh and we are and it's filmed and we are editing that film now hmm. editing it uh and i'll be looking at it and I, I i intend to try to get a grant to finish to complete it because it's it has spoken word hmm. two different spoken word people one who's coming more from a hip hop standpoint, the other is coming from a traditional spoken word standpoint, uh, and music, right? Uh, and when it's released on uh, on YouTube, it will also have uh, overlays, you mm -hmm. know, coming uh, with the music. But, but that is a, uh, what it, it kind of represents is we have one thing that represents the middle passage, another tune that rep, uh, represents uh, the time, you know, beginnings of slavery, another one that represents the the uh, flowering of revolution, and another uh, that represents breaking free and getting getting it together and another one that represents here we stand you know so it's this uh so it 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 says a lot and and in the preview people really loved it uh that we had our, our it, it's faults you know as far as that so when you when you get the get a grant and i can rehearse it properly mm -hmm. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. and and get it to the level that i'd, I'd like to see it performed at. That's that's exciting. Uh, um, eight part suite, if you will. Uh, yeah. Here we stand, uh, mm -hmm. inspired by Paul Robinson. You know, there was a recent uh, biography released about him. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And I, I read three of them. Great work. And that's where the "Here We Stand" comes from because one is his thing. Here I stand. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, he's one of our sung heroes but really unsung you know right. realize right. the uh the big national and international impact that paul oh, Robeson yeah. made so I, i'm glad to hear about here we stand and i can't wait uh to be there yeah. to support you for uh for that effort mm -hmm. so lastly you know when you look at your life being 85 years old and still kicking um what do you want your legacy to be in the world as you continue to create and continue to influence and impact others? 
a love for music, I guess, for black. <laughs> That's because there's so many things you you would like. We say, what would you like to be for people to do uh, feel from your music? I just I would like for them just to love and understand my music. You know, as a performer, and playing an improv, improviser, and as a composer, as a music thinker, because you know, improvising is composing in a sense, anyway. You know. But I would like that, uh, and to have enough have people, those people who I touch, hopefully they are able to move to higher places than I have. You know that 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 whatever I gave them would serve as a projection. Uh, you know, to help them, to assist them to to reach the heights that they aspire to reach as musicians. Uh, as teachers, you know, that's what I, you know, it's it's not a lot. Just appreciate me, love what I did. You know? So, Mr. Jennings, uh, I always like to give students strategies for college success, and you, being a former. A college professor, I know you've got plenty of advice for students who want to do well in college. So what if, first, tell us what school or schools did you attend, your majors, your degrees, okay. and then tell us what strategy would you give students to ensure that they're successful in college? Yeah, well, I, I attended Southern University. I've got a, a, a performance degree in Clarence out there. I attended uh, uh, the University of Illinois you know, for a master's. Yeah. And then I attended the University of the Streets. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> Learning about, but, but you know, it, it's funny, but it's true because most that, I didn't learn about jazz music in an institution. Mm -hmm. You know, I learned about it from, from jazz players in the streets. And mm -hmm. I think an old friend of mine, Alvin Baptiste, told me, hey, man, every time you meet somebody, ask them something, get something mm -hmm. from them, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, uh, and yeah, so the University of Illinois, what was the other part of that question? Yes, what were your degrees and what, uh, what advice would you give students? Oh yeah, okay. Uh, for, for students, I would tell them, First, to believe in themselves. Mm. Don't believe in yourself for whatever it is you you want to do. You have to have confidence in yourself. You know? uh, then for musicians, practice, which is steady, you know, and look around you and see what the great great what makes a person great with an instrument you know uh, uh with that instrument it could be a vocalist mm -hmm. you know whatever see what that is and then dedicate the time if that's what you want to be dedicate the time uh that's necessary to involve to evolve into that type of performer you know if you're a writer whatever but i think believing in yourself Read as much as you can about great musicians, performers. Listen to great music. 
you know? And then don't doubt that which comes from you. When you feel or think something, mm -hmm. put it down. Mm -hmm. You know, so, sometimes we don't value what we're thinking. Oh, that's nothing, you know, comparing it to something else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When all of those, the, every great person you know is a human being, a person that started the same way you started, out of, out of the womb mm -hmm. and whatever inspires them. You know, so the possibility of you being more than what you think or your friends might think or whatever the case is, you have to cut cut all that loose and, and focus on what it is you're on developing yourself. These are great uh, pieces of advice. Uh, believe in yourself because you need confidence to do whatever right. you want to do. Right. Um, practice if you're a musician, practice, listen yeah. and read. That's right. That's the way you develop your art. Mm -hmm. And as you de de develop your art, whether you're a musician or any other profession, make sure you don't doubt yourself uh, because right. you have your own spirit and your own ear. Mm -hmm. And that will lead you the right way. And most of all, focus on developing yourself. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Jennings. It is such a pleasure. Uh, to have you here on the Empowerment Zone and I look forward to uh, uh, seeing and hearing uh, Here We Stand. All right. Thank you. It was my pleasure. A special thank you to the incredible team of the Empowerment Zone. Terry Gully, theme song. NADWorks, digital support. And, of course, our featured guest, 